Colossians chapter 3. So um, next week we will be wrapping up our series on the gospel. If you can remember to the very beginning of summer, our, um, our goal was simply to define what is the gospel, right? There is a, a large temptation for people to just grab a little snippet, a little maybe bumper sticker theology, and use that as the gospel. And so you might ask somebody, what is the gospel? And they say, well, Jesus loves every boy and girl. Well, okay, but that might be an aspect of the gospel, but what is the gospel? And, and we said a lot of things, right? But, but ultimately, we, we, we talked about the gospel being, one, about God as the creator, creating us in his image, and then he has rights over our lives. And because he is holy, because he is righteous, he has the ability to punish those who are against him. And so secondly, we talked about us, humans, mankind, how we were made in God's image, but we have sinned over and over and over and over again. And that we sometimes have a hard time even seeing our own sin. If you ever want like a diagnosis of how simple you are, or if you ever like hear someone say, I don't think I'm that bad. That's a big diagnosis of that. You're really bad. You're so bad that you don't even know that you're bad. Um, But then after that, we talked about Christ. We talked about his work and what he did in his life, his death and resurrection. And then ultimately, how do we respond to that? And so after that, the, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what does the gospel produce, right? So one, it should produce an eagerness to preach the gospel, because it has the power of God to save. But then we talked about how the gospel brings freedom. Freedom now to not have to sin, but freedom to live for Christ. And then last time we met, we talked about how the gospel brings rest. And lastly, tonight, I want to talk, before we get into our last topic next week, I want to talk about how the gospel brings joy, how the gospel should cause us to rejoice. Okay, so tonight's going to be a little different because I'm going to take us to three different passages. I'm going to make a point from each of the passages about how joy should inform three aspects of the Christian life. So I'm going to read the first passage, I'll pray, and then I'll give a general introduction and we'll jump into these three passages. So look down at the passage with me, Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before your word, and as we consider what does it mean that the gospel would bring us joy, pray, Lord, that we'd... Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the champion of our faith. May we rest in his finished work, knowing, God, that it is finished. No deed of our own can save us, but only what Christ has done. Help us, Lord, to find joy in that message. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned this a little bit during uh, worship time, but there are a lot of things that can make us happy. There are a lot of things that can make us happy. Today, I got to take one of my daughters golfing for the first time. 
and just to see the smiles on her face. I think she's more excited about driving the golf cart than anything, but <laughs> she thought golf was so much fun, right? Just, just a simple thing, spending time with family, finding $5, getting a free Starbucks, watching your favorite sports team win, getting an A on the test when you thought for sure you were going to flunk it, right? It just, they, there are a lot of things that bring us momentary happiness, right? Um, and as I think about that, like there's been a few times in my life where I've had instant, instant happiness quickly followed up with instant, instant sorrow, okay? Um, I mean, a, a simple illustration to that would be your team is winning and they're about to win the Super Bowl, but yet 30 seconds left, the team of the other, quarterback of the other team throws this crazy once in a million lifetime, you know, throw and they get a touchdown and they lose you're like you're like you're rejoicing you're happy you're already telling your friends to pay up from the bets you made and then instant sorrow you're just like oh come on man or my my friend brad in high school we had to uh, memorize and recite the gettysburg address in english class for a junior year you know four score and seven years ago our father brought forth this con you know and I, I, I was always pretty good at real memory, so like I, I did most of it. I studied the, the morning of, and you know I think I got a 90 on it. Like I was able to get most of it. She had to help me twice, so I lost 10 points. But my friend Brad literally like got up there and uh, uh, so nervous, shaking four score and seven years ago, um, um, you know, and like pieced together like hardly anything, right? And so. <laughs> Just think about the story. It's so funny to me. Goodness. Oh, man. So, so she, at the end of the class, she gives everyone the grades, but she would read out your student ID number. Mine was 40238, right? So, and, um, and I knew Brad's number because he just was a friend of mine. And so she gets to his number, and she says 85. He's like, you know, she was going to see, like, like, what? what? And, you know, most of the kids in the class are like 10s, 15s, right? And so, like, there's even kids who do way better than Brad who got, like, a 60, 45. And Brad hears his number get called, and he's, like, 85. And so, right after the class, he comes up to me. He's like, dude, I just think that she just knew I was nervous. She knew I tried, but, you know, I think she was just giving me some grace. And I was like, dude, I don't know what happened, man. I was like, sure, man. I'm, I'm hoping for you, right? He's like, I, I just got to find out, right? But I, I was like, I was like, yeah, man, like, you could tell that you, you, you tried, but you just kind of struggled with nervousness a lot. And so he goes up to her. He's like, hey, you know, with this, gr- with this grade that I got on this big assignment, can I, can I know my grade for the class? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, D minus. He's like, what? <laughs> I just got like an 85 on this. She's like, what's your number? He's like, Da-da-da-da-da. you got a 10. <laughs> <laughs> this is the funny part of the story. <gasps> what? <laughs> it's like in her face. Like, you said, no, 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 that's wrong. You said 85. <laughs> she's like, no, you hardly said anything. You got a 10. And it didn't help your grade. It made your grade. <laughs> instant happiness. The instant sorrow. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he did not have nice things to say about that teacher. He did not have nice things to say about that teacher. This is Rocco. This is Rocco. Rocco. Um, you all have experienced that, though. You've had something good. Um, maybe you have good news one day, the next day you have bad news. And, and as I think about that, as 
I think about the Christian life. What is the base emotion that we are to have? Because something that I personally hate is curated happiness or the, the instinct that I have to put on a happy face even though deep down I'm sad. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, guys, going to high school, you feel that pressure a lot. That inward, there's a lot of turmoil. But yet, the second you get to school, you have to kind of flip it back on. You have to kind of play face a little bit. And so what I want to just kind of say up front is that, is that joy should, one, inform our worship. Two, that joy informs how we suffer. And three, joy informs our very lives. So three kind of points. And what I really want to say is how joy ultimately is to be there in the midst of every other thing in our life. And so although we may be happy one moment and sad the next, we should still be joyful. Although we may have stress and hard circumstances, we should always be joyful. Because, ultimately, the gospel says that your biggest need has been met. That everything that Christ has done for you is true and it is real, no matter what circumstances you are in. And so keep that in mind as we go through these three points. So the first point I want to look at is how joy should inform our worship. If the gospel is true, if we have have our sins forgiven, if we are called to be a new people, where you're entering into a kingdom that is not of this world, but a heavenly kingdom, the natural reaction to that should be rejoicing, to be grateful to have a thankful heart, right? Imagine if someone came up to you about a year ago, I think it was about a year ago, and they said, this is the winning lottery ticket to the $1.6 billion game. Here are all the numbers. It's yours. Okay? Now, I, I honestly think that a winning lottery ticket like that is kind of like Thanos for relationships. <laughs> like uh, All your relationships are immediately like, Different, right? Everyone looks at you now. With, so don't win the lottery. If you do, give it all away. But, but, but imagine if someone gave you a wonderful gift. What is the natural response to that? Thankfulness, gratitude, joy, right? The ability to, to, to recognize that, man, this person has cost, has cost them a lot to give me this. And so... Paul, in Colossians 3, is talking about the gospel-shaped life. He's talking about what does it mean now practically for those who are living in Christ. If Christ is your life, how should that look? Well, in verses 5 and following, that looks like dying to your old fleshly ways. In verses 12 and on, in the passage that we're going to look at, it means putting on Christ clothing yourself in compassion and kindness and humility, but then he goes corporate with it. In essence, he's saying this. This is what Paul's trying to teach us here. How should the gospel inform Christians when they come together? If you look down at verse 15, he says this. Let peace rule. Right? The guiding principle amongst Christians is this. Peace. What brings the most peaceableness around us together should be the ruling, should be the umpire. But do you look at what he says here at the very end of verse 15? He says, be 
thankful. The second thing corporately we're to do is to let the word of Christ, really, that word of Christ phrase, let the gospel, let the, the word concerning Christ and what he has done, let the gospel, look what he says in verse 16, dwell in you richly. Namely, how does it dwell in you richly? By teaching, by admonishing one another in all wisdom, by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What does it say? With thankfulness in your hearts to God. Third thing, more broad. More than that, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Jesus. Here it is. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I realize that thankfulness and gratitude are a little different than joy, but I just want us, for our purposes, to see them as synonymous, right? In essence, Paul is saying that when Christians corporately come together, when you have your own personal worship time, when you come together to hear this word, here should be the characteristic of you. You ready? Be thankful. Have joy. Rejoice. Rejoice. Right? There's a sense in which Paul is just giving the implication of you were once dead in your sins. You were once far off. Matter of fact, Tyler read this passage for us, right? He says right here in Colossians 1, go ahead and look down at it. Matter of fact, he got thanks right there again. Colossians 1, verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, here it is, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Guys, listen, it should be an easy implication once we realize the weight of our sin, that Christ has paid it, that he has clothed us in a perfect righteousness, that we have the favor of God. We have the gift of all gifts. And so shouldn't it make sense then that when we come together to sing, when we come together to open this word, our hearts should be full of gratitude and joy. But think about your own life for a second. What are the emotions that you feel when you sing songs to God? What is your heart really reaching out for when you come together corporately as Christians? More than that, What does your daily life of worship look like? You know, there's a a big movement I hear a lot where people say, especially in Christian circles, they say something like this. It's okay. You know what I guess? To be a sinner. Well, sure, I guess. (laughs) It's okay to be a sinner. Well, uh, maybe. maybe. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay not to be okay, right? So in essence, but and I, I, I like it. I like it. It's, it's not bad, okay? I'm not trying to, like, in essence, what they're trying to say is, like, you don't have to come and pretend that everything is fine and dandy, okay? 
okay? That's good. Just like what I was saying earlier, sometimes you walk into school and you have to pretend that it's okay, even though it's not okay. And so what, what people are trying to say is like, hey, it's okay not to be okay. But can I just tell you, like, one small danger of saying that too much? It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. In essence, it tells people implicitly, it's okay to live in your joylessness. Now, let me tell you something. The beautiful thing about Christ and the gospel is he does not say to you, you must first have to have everything figured out before you come to me. Or even as a Christian, he's saying you have to know everything perfectly and completely and have your life completely squared away, and then you can come have joy. That is not, that is not the God we serve. Praise the Lord. But can I just say something, guys? So many times when we grow bored, apathetic, fearful, lazy in the Christian life, I think, it, I think it really means this one thing. We do not realize in those moments just how good we have it in Christ. If there are ever times where you look at the words up on the screen, that when you are with Christians, that when you are reading the Bible and you are not in awe and marvel, it is because you are not beholding the glory of Christ. It honestly means that we are beholding the glory of something else. And so guys, can I just tell you? When we recognize just how good Christ is for us, here's what happens. Joy begins to bubble out of our worship. I mean, I was looking tonight as I was watching you guys sing and I was encouraged. It did seem like there was joy. I could hear you sing. But only you really know if those are just words coming out of your mouth, or if these are deep truths that I believe that bring me joy. And so Paul here is trying to tell Christians that, listen, joy informs worship. Let me give you one more application to this, okay? Um, the problem with joylessness is, one, like I mentioned, a forgetfulness of the goodness of the gospel, but two, the problem of joylessness, you guys ready? is that it affects other people. The problem with joylessness is that really it stops our hearts from giving praise and glory to God. And in the Bible, singing praises to God is really important because that is how God is known. That is how God is revealed through the praises of his people. And if joylessness characterizes your life, guys, can I tell you something? That makes it harder for other Christians. Don't get me wrong. If I'm sitting there worshiping, I shouldn't necessarily be distracted by other people near me. But I'll tell you sometimes, like if I see people who sit there and we're singing like a song like maybe Amazing Grace or His Mercy is More, Come Behold the Wonders Mystery, some songs that are really dear to my heart. Now again, I don't know their heart. I'm not trying to judge them. But when I see people sit there like, Hard. More than that, it's distracting. And I, and I sit there and I, and I think like, man, I wonder if people are looking at me like singing all loud and do I, do I sound funny? And, um, and I just want you to know, like, there's a sense in which it's okay at times to be quiet and to pray during worship and to talk to God. 
But I, I will tell you this, guys. Joylessness and apathy in the Christian life do make it hard for other people. And so first point is this. The gospel creates joy, but joy should inform our worship. Joy should inform our worship. All right, we're going to move to a different point here. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Philippians 1. So we're not going far. Literally just turn the page over 1. All right, so Paul here, again, um, he's in prison for both Philippians and Colossians, but we're going to read a little bit in Philippians. So start with me in Philippians 1, starting in verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, one thing I will say about this, just a quick observation, is like, I wonder how we pray for our friends compared to how Paul prays for his friends. I'm convicted at this point, too. Lord, um, pray for Blake today. Um, pray that uh, he's doing well. Pray that when he's at the farmer's market, he, you know, stays out of trouble. <laughs> Lord, I pray for him and Kimberly. You know, and I, I might say for some break, pray some good things, but man, I find this interesting. But what's interesting here, um, this little letter, he starts off by saying, I, I start off every prayer with joy. So every prayer with joy. If you look down to chapter 2, in verse uh, 16, he says this to them, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad, and here it is, and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Interesting. Go ahead and look down to chapter 4 in Philippians. Verse 4, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, now here, here's what I want to talk about at Philippians, and this will be a quicker point, is that Paul talks about joy over and over and over again in the midst of poor circumstances circumstances. See, this is the best example. I mean, and, and by the way, there was example after example after example that I wanted to use to make this point. 
of uh, uh, the point that in the Christian life, even when things are not going well, even when my life is turned upside down, here's what's possible. Joy. Joy. Because I, I cannot tell you how easy it is for me, and I'm sure even for you, that the second things don't go our way, we immediately become full of anxiety, we doubt God, we maybe even forget God, we completely run away from, from doing the right thing, and we find ourselves just angry and bitter and mad. And, and one of the reasons why I think it's so important to have a good, solid theology of God's sovereignty is so that we can still have joy in the midst of hard circumstances. I won't have you turn there, but um, I'll read from my favorite minor prophet. One of the best passages um, that I sometimes come back to, the prophet Habakkuk, or however you pronounce his name. But, but look what he says here. In Habakkuk chapter 3, the very end of the book, he says this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Think, think about that. You know what he's saying? Imagine complete and utter economic disaster. Imagine everything that could go wrong goes wrong. Here's what he says next. Ready? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. And what Paul and what the whole Bible is really saying that ultimately, when we lose our joy because of circumstances, it is because we would rather have things more than we'd rather have God. And so let me just tell you right now, if you find yourself losing your joy, your Christian peace, your contentment, it is simply because your heart has raced and run after things more than it has God. Guys, can I just tell you? The main point of the gospel is this, that we get God. Can I tell you what's going to be so great about heaven? God. Can I tell you what's so great about the Christian life? It's having peace with God. It is about knowing your creator. It's about the fact that Christ died for sinners, that we can be reconciled to God. Now, with that comes a lot of things and a lot of imperatives and and things for us to know. But the primary purpose of the Christian life, is to know our creator, is to know Jesus. And can I just say something, guys? When there is joylessness, it is because we do not care about knowing God. And so with the loss of reputation, with the loss of grades, with the loss of relationships, with the loss of anything that happens in your life, here's why you can still have joy. Because God is there. Because he is our strength. I hope that encourages you. Last passage. So first point, joy informs our worship. Second point, joy informs hardships. But turn with me to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 61, joy informs all of life. 
towards the end of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61. So in this chapter, some of the context I'll give you, um, the prophet Isaiah is kind of giving a, like the Lord is speaking, that the Lord is going to um, bring good news to the poor. It's a very messianic psalm, or passage, excuse me. Um, You know, look at verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion. They shall build up the ancient ruins. Strangers shall, you know, um, stand and tend your flocks. Kind of promise to Israel there. Um, so in essence, there's all these promises. And then, this is, and then the prophet Isaiah kind of switches here. He, he starts talking. In verse 10, here's what, here's what we see. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me in the garments of salvation He has covered me in the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown into sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all nations. Joy, not happiness, should inform all of life. Let me tell you guys something. If you haven't heard this or haven't figured it out yet, hear it from me. Life at times is very hard. It is full of many hardships. You know, some people want to say that the Christian life is for people who need a crutch. Oh, you guys just need something to help you get through life a little bit more. Maybe. But everyone lives in this sinful, fallen world. Let me tell you something here. Joy is not something we just have when we sing. Joy is not just something we have when we go through really hard times. Joy characterizes the very nature of a Christian. And the prophet Isaiah here, I think he's just reflecting on the promises of God. And he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul exults in God, for he has clothed me in the garments of my salvation. Guys, can I tell you something really quick? The main reason why you can have joy is not because God is going to give you what you want. The main reason to have joy in this life is not because we live in America and we have AC and refrigerators and more medicine than we know what to do with That is not the main reason to find joy. The main reason to find joy is that you were once an enemy of God, hell-bound, lost in your sin. But in Christ, he has saved you. It is the garment of salvation, right? It is the fact that Christ has covered us in his robe of righteousness. You know, there's a hymn we sing that says, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So when you get to go to the movies and enjoy popcorn, when you get to go on nice vacations, when you one day get married and have the best day of your life, the first time you buy a house, when you get your driver's license, when you get the brand new iPhone, praise God. 
for those good things. But ultimately, our happiness is fleeting. But our joy is constant because it is grounded to the finished work of Christ. Because my heart for you is to be people who can be sorrowful but also joyful. Who can mourn but who can also dance. That truly, guys, the heart of someone who understands the gospel means that at any moment I can out-laugh you or out-cry you. And so when you go home tonight, when you go to the after party, when it's in the middle of November and you're just in the middle of the grind of the school year, what are you characterized by? Stress and worry and anxiousness and busyness? Or are you characterized by somebody who has a million reasons to only be joyful. Last illustration will be done. A lot of times I feel like the Christian life is just simply being told again and again and again the same thing that we know. The problem is we, we, we tend to forget it. We, we don't always fully believe it as much as we should. But, but, but one time someone came up to me and um, they said, Hey, Aaron, Imagine I told you that someone stole your car and they wrecked it. How would that make you feel? That would make me feel pretty bad. And I said, well, imagine that the same person left you all of their inheritance, $20 billion dollars. How would you feel then? I would feel pretty good. And they said, a lot of times, we forget that we already have the $20 billion. And yet we stress about someone taking our shoes. Or not having enough friends. Or very temporal issues now. Guys, what we have in Christ is far greater than any amount of money or accolade or accomplishment. But I think the point sticks, right? Don't lose your joy over something small compared to what you have in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. Sing to him with a grateful heart. Know that in the midst of hard circumstances, he cares, he's working. And that ultimately, guys, here's the best promise you have. Our best days are always ahead of us. Right? It's not something we could wake up tomorrow and just take comfort in. My best days are never behind me. They're always ahead of me. But because of Christ, I have resurrection and eternal life right down the pike. May I rejoice over this. That is the heart of a Christian. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to rejoice in the beauty and the wonder of the gospel that our sins are forgiven. Help us to know, God, that in Christ there is resurrection and eternal life. Our best days are always ahead. And Lord, like the prophet Isaiah, may our hearts greatly rejoice in you. 
May our souls exult in you, knowing, Lord, that you have covered us in the garments of salvation and what Christ has done. I pray all this in his wonderful name. Amen.